This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Michael Hughes with ISE. I'm here today with Julia Abate and Monica Matlis. They're the chair and incoming chair for the Applied Ergonomics Conference 2020. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the growth of ergonomics uh, throughout. It seems everywhere because, frankly, ladies, 15, 20 years ago, I'd probably never heard the word ergonomics. Now it seems to be on everything I buy, whether it looks like the same old mouse I used 20 years ago or, you know, a nice new fancy pistol grip mouse that really is ergonomic. How many companies have been able to kind of track the growth or is it something that y'all have noticed as well? And how much of that stuff is kind of advertising? How much of it is really legit ergonomic stuff that really helps people in the workplace? It's a loaded question. It is a huge question. I think over the years, um, it's gone through cycles. Right now, ergonomics is used as a a marketing tool for a lot of uh, different companies' marketing products. But within industry, ergonomics used to be really big when OSHA had a potential ruling or law over ergonomics. And we had some guidelines going in. But it's been, I wouldn't say declining. It's just companies don't always hire ergonomists anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them hire consultants or they incorporate ergonomics into their health and safety or engineering fields. We are trained ergonomists. Um, There are a lot of people out there who say they're ergonomic specialists or something. But that field, I think, has a lot of potential because companies don't always realize how much ergonomics impacts quality and safety and all these other key measures. The companies that do, that are progressive, usually have an ergonomics team or department or, again, you know, hire consultants to do ergonomics. Mm -hmm. But um, not every company out there does it. They at least not until they have a problem. No, it's usually at one point ergonomics went from being extremely reactive. And like a lot of the companies real, realized, hey, I need Mm -hmm. to hire someone to help me with these things because it's it's just impacting my production, my cost of my product. And then they went to what's called, you know, proactive ergonomics, which is, you know, making sure we have the programs in place and things like that. So different companies have matured in different ways that they've done ergonomics. Um, but it's changing. The industry changed. I think when Julia and I were in school, we went to school and we learned about ergonomics, you know, and we went out and I remember my friends telling me, you're going to be doing what? What's ergonomics? What's this all about? And then once it started becoming more and more part of the culture of a company, they realize, yes, ergonomics impacts not only, just like Julia said, you know, all the costs, but it, it impacts our sales rep. It impacts your home life. It impacts you everywhere you can go. But you see it a lot also. And like you said, in cars, oh, the ergonomic seats of the car, you know, all this stuff. So it's it's used both ways. Um, going back to your original question, that's what, that's what we're seeing. One thing I've noticed over the last few years looking at the particularly the AEC conference uh, program, there's just a lot of numbers in there that are impressive. When you can spend like 500, I forget the exact numbers, but something like 500 bucks and you reduce ergonomic risk by 90%, or you have a program that reduces musculoskeletal disorders by 35%. You know, those are big numbers that if you put them over a large company over a period of years, you're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of dollars, not to mention if your workforce isn't hurt. Your workforce can actually work. So how do you, I guess, convince people that these numbers really mean something? How do you get the buy-in from people who aren't trained in the ergonomics industry? A lot of times is that we have to learn how to speak their language. Exactly. Um, when we're working with, you know, a CEO or a vice president of company manufacturing, you need to learn what's important to them and show them how ergonomics impacts quality. When a product is hard to put together and it's injuring people, 
chances are you're going to have quality issues with that product when it's out with its customers and you're going to see warranty issues. When you can fix that product and make it easy for the person to assemble it and reduce that risk of injury, which by the way, you also see some of those costs from entries going down, but we like to focus on the fact that you're reducing that risk of injury, but you're also increasing that quality and productivity ideally of that product. And so you don't see the warranty issues. You don't see that, that stuff coming back. So ergonomics when done well can impact a lot of different areas. I mean, we see a lot of that with the ErgoCup teams that come to our conference. Monica can speak a little bit to some of the very simple solutions that the teams come up with that really have a great impact on their production. It's amazing how, you know, the impact of one, just incorporating ergonomics with safety as, you know, together into a process, how it changes, simplifies the entire manufacturing line, for example. You know, in the ErgoCup teams, you see simple things, which is just low-hanging fruit things that you can make changes with. Anti-fatigue mats, changing the tool, reorganizing the line, all these things together change the entire process and makes the employees happy. They are better. Happy workers means happy product, you know, so you get that going. But the ErgoCup teams show you also some advanced, you know, innovative solutions that take a little longer, you know, so basically including ergonomics into that design process in advance helps you make sure you eliminate not only the ergonomic issues, but the quality issues, the safety issues, you know, um, amputation issues that go together. So ergonomics, honestly, when you speak to these executives, you need to remind them of all these other issues, plus all the indirect costs that are associated with those injuries as well. And that's what the AeroCup teams do when the AeroCup mm-hmm. teams that win are the ones that talk not only about the er- reduction of the ergonomic risk, but at the same time, how much is costing the CEOs and the companies, not only just the direct costs, but their indirect costs, aside, you know, physical therapy, you know, the time that the, the operators are out of the office or whatever it is. It's really once you talk that language to the CEOs, they get it. They're like, yes, we need to incorporate ergonomics into that process. Not to mention, if you have some kind of a catastrophic injury, you know, it's likely that the line will be shut down for a while Absolutely. while you figure out what happened. Yeah. But you're losing, you're not sending product out the door. And if you're not sending product out the door, sales can't sell it. And if sales isn't selling it, you can't make any money. And don't mention recalls. Recalls yeah. are a very scary thing for a lot of companies, especially mm-hmm. in the medical device industry, especially in some of the pharmaceutical industries, some of the cars. You know, if you have a major recall because and you track it back down to something as simple as, you know, a malfunctioning piece of some sort and which could have been prevented, that is major. So, you know, ergonomics goes very hand in hand with safety, goes hand in hand with quality with the internet of things with the entire uh, manufacturing process. Now, once an ergonomics program is up and running, you have to kind of keep reminding people of how well it's doing because it seems if it's going well, it's the no news is good news because you're not having injuries. You're not having recalls. You're not on the six o'clock news. You know, you're not having people die. Uh, Your products are working for your customers. So once it gets kind of out of sight, out of mind, if you had situations where you've had to say the reason you're not in the news is because of us. One of my my first jobs, one of the things that we did to keep that FaceTime going with the management is that we would actually meet with the the VPs or the head of the plants quarterly to show them what we were doing in order to show that our program was working. Um, So you're not just talking the numbers from, you know, hey, we've done this many assessments, we've reduced this much risk, but we would also do some show and tells. So we might show them um, in the design process, look, we had these parts that snapped together like this. They were causing all these injuries here. You do it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then have them try it. Oh, my gosh, that's really hard. Well, yeah, it was taking you this much time to assemble this piece and we're seeing all these injuries. So we worked with the designers. 
design engineers, we changed up the product, tweaked it slightly so that the snaps went together a little bit easier. Now your production time's gone down and you're, you haven't seen any injuries on this line. So it's important to keep that FaceTime when you do have a program to show the numbers that you've been, you know, where those numbers are going, where you've been or you've come, where you plan on going and show them exactly what you're doing in order to, to keep that program strong. Just like Julia said, in one of my past careers, I had to speak to the executives of the corporation. My role was basically convince the corporation, make it, they have to be the believers in it. If they became cultured, if they be, it becomes a culture of that company from the top down, it doesn't matter that you're not seeing ergonomic risk because they believe that we have the, the we have a safe process that takes care of their employees that gets that product out the door whatever it is or if it's in the hospital you're making making sure your patients are okay your nurses are okay so it's bu- getting the buy-in from the top if you get that buy-in mm-hmm. in which is what julie and i have done is it make sure we convince them hey this is how you do it and you show them the numbers and if the numbers are working they're very happy they don't want to see those numbers going back up. And usually sometimes those numbers go back up because of changes within the corporation and not necessarily because the program went south or anything like that, but because they may have purchased, you know, another product, another line, brought in another business, which they need to go back again and bring them up into speed into the goal and the culture of the health, safety or ergonomics program that they have in place. So y'all have been involved with the Applied Ergonomics Conference for a number of years. How did y'all find out about us? You know, where did you glom on to us in the beginning? And why do you think this conference is so important? And why do y'all keep coming back year after year after year? We thank you for it, by the way. I was at the very first conference. So was I. Wow. Yes, we both were. Um, it was my first year at a college at the company I went with. We sent the whole team. And our manager at the time presented, the whole team put together a presentation and she presented it on our behalf. And ever since then, I first I started speaking. I started moderating at the conference. Eventually I became, and I wasn't just a committee member, you know, working with the program committee, working with the Ergo Cup committee, mm-hmm. um, worked my way into being, you know, master track roundtable chair, moderator, coordinator, program chair. And eventually we got into the leadership. So we've both been doing this for like 20 years. Yeah, um, I know. I came in also- about 15. Yes, I am. I'm actually started when I was two. So there you go. No, really. I I started just like Julia. I was a young professional and um, I came in, I presented it. I remember submitting three presentations and all three of them getting accepted and having a panic attack. Oh my gosh, I have to pick, you know, make all three of them. I came, I did that and I did presentations for a while. And then I came back in as an Ergo Cup participant. I managed a group of teams. We brought teams in. So I went in, um, participated as Oreo Cup, lost a few times until we finally won a few times. And then from when I transitioned from my previous position to the current position, I became a judge. You know, I became a judge, became a committee member and then committee chair for the Oreo Cup. And at that point, you know, making sure that everything runs smoothly and the Gurgle Cup keeps on growing. And then I just joined Julia as part of the leadership team. And, you know, it's one of those conferences. There's so many applicabilities, so many things you can learn from that. That's what brings people in. They want to see there's, you know, there's other conferences that might have different things. But in our conference, there's so many unique aspects, the Ergo Cup, the pre-cons, the programming is excellent. Um, It really gives you a whole vision of what you can do in ergonomics. And um, the Ergo Cup is, it's like, it's, 
it's amazing. You know, you come in and you see what the companies have done. You can have one solution and I could come up with one solution and Julia can come up with a whole different solution. So it's really nice to learn from the Ergoco teams, to learn from my peers, to learn from everybody. So it's really amazing. You know, that's what I've heard from a lot of participants from my very first interviews 10 years ago when I first came aboard ISC and started talking to people. And I think the first interviews for the Ergo Cup I did in AAC were Brian Roberts and Teresa Belanger. Mm-hmm. I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong. I apologize, Teresa. They say the same things y'all are saying. It's the content. They can go and they can find things and they can bring them back to their companies, their organizations, mm-hmm. and they apply them to whatever they're working on. And it all works. And they just that's why they keep coming back. So you said you did the Ergo Cup for a few years and lost, and then you won. When you won that first Ergo Cup, describe the sensation. Well, first of all, I was six months pregnant when I won the first Ergo Cup with my team. And at the time, uh, the Ergo Cup chair, Carl Siegfried, he saw me jumping up and down and he really thought I was going to drop the baby. (laughs) Um, But um, it was great. It was a great feeling. And um, it was actually on the programs category. And um, it was an international team, which is amazing because when you bring these teams, they do a lot. There's a lot of work that goes into the, the creation of these booths and the programs. It was amazing because it, it really says thank you for these companies for putting together great programs in place. And it really recognizes them. And when you go back as a winner, your whole company celebrates with you. Really? Oh, my God. I still get juice each time I think about it. But it was amazing. The company celebrated and it made other teams and other companies go, listen. This is great. Why don't we continue and um, and you keep on bringing different companies? And it's, it's really an exciting moment. It really is. And then we kept on winning in other categories. And um, the feeling is still always the same. You know, winning is great. You bring that cup with you and you just don't want to let it go. You bring it in the plane with you. You don't ship it in the belly of the plane. Um, and it's a major recognition. Um, it's an international competition. It really has companies from all over the world. So to be one of the few to win that cup and be in that very short list, is a major honor. It's a really incredible honor. Yeah, I've noticed people winning from from Italy yes. was one that I noticed a while back. And I went back and looked at the very first Applied Ergonomics Conference archives. And the very first one, it was only one. We had one Ergo Cup the very yeah. first time we did it. And it was won by Ford. And Ford is still there almost yeah. every every year now. You know, along with Honda's there, there and, the, you know, Gulfstream, Coca-Cola, all these companies that you hear about. And they keep coming back every year. They do. They really do. And we're very excited every year. The number keeps on going up. The interesting is the bar gets raised every year. It's harder and harder because if you come to the competition, you are a finalist. You've been really selected by a group of professionals to pick out the best of the best to come to the com- conference. We don't just pick accept everybody. Yeah. And it really is an honor. And uh, we well, really companies need to actually have internal competitions to decide who goes to the Ergo Cup. A few years ago, I went down to Gulfstream in Savannah and they had, I think, 25 entries just in their internal competition for Ergo Cup and the winner of those were the ones who actually went to the Ergo Cup. Absolutely. That was kind of cool to see that it just, you know, replicates throughout a company like that. It really is. So what is your, each one of you give me, what was your favorite takeaway from an Ergo Cup or the AEC? And we can limit it to 2019, but if you've got one that you really remember from, you know, 2012. Uh, Okay. So here's the part that gets a little dicey. It's hard to do that. There's so many of really good ones. And I wouldn't want to say this one's better than that one (laughs) because there's five different Ergo Cups we give out. So they're all different things. Well, I'll tell you, mine's not for as much as we learn at the conference, as as much as we bring back. The reason I love to go there and keep going back is 
the networking connections I've made, yeah. the the chairs, co-chairs, committee members that come back every year and that plan this whole mm-hmm. event. It takes a lot of work and we're all volunteers in the the personal connections. I would never have met Monica. Absolutely not. Except through a Applied Ergonomics Conference. That was my next question. Yeah. Y'all would have never oh, met each other, you know? Mm-hmm. We never would. No, we have, we have a friend in common that I worked with and she worked with. And introduced us at the conference and we've gotten to know each other and work together really well. And I've made so many other friends. I consider a lot of these chairs, my friends, yes, um, not just peers. And I don't hesitate to call them. If I have a question or if I'm working on a problem at work and, and I need some other input, I don't hesitate to call any of these resources because they all have different expertise and we're all willing to, to share and help each other out. Um, it's just that community that's been built there. Um, and, you know, we always welcome people to come work with us on the committees because, again, we're all volunteers. It, it takes time and effort to do this. And um, the the networks and the friendships that I've made over the years, that's one of the reasons I keep coming back every year. I, I mean, the passion for ergonomics does not go away. Just like Julia said, the networking is amazing. You meet the new, the young professionals coming in. Now we're trying to tap into the young professionals and the students and, and share that passion. And this is the place to do that. Um, you know, when they see the Ergo Cup, when they see the, the programming, when they see the pre-cons, when they see the master track, when you see the tours, all these things, you know, it really, it's a high energy conference. We try to make it high energy. We try to show that our enthusiasm and that love for ergonomics there. And, you know, and we celebrate yeah, success. i videos, so I know they're the high enthusiasm <laughs> Yeah, part. I know, yes. I know. No, but we like to celebrate success. But at the same time, we want to celebrate innovation. And, mm-hmm. you know, and we try to come up with themes to, to sort of, you know, make sure that we read the happy news. The ergonomics is, if you incorporate ergonomics into your process, you're going to make, you know, it's going to be a great product. But, you know, to Julia's point, the yeah. whole networking, it's amazing. I mean, I've met many, many people and it's just, mm-hmm. it's really helped. A lot of the professionals I talked to this year told me this is, this is their year to basically re-energize. When they, whenever they come to the conference, that's their way to re-energize because everybody knows the struggles that you have and the challenges. And, and you can talk to people who, who speak that language in ergonomics and they've seen it, they can help you and you just get re-energized and then you go back to your company and you're just more focused and able to uh, tackle some problems in a different way. Um, so professionally, you know, yes, you get professional development. I learn everything, something every new year. every year, every year. But, you know, just professionally within ergonomics, I'm just rejuvenated. I can go back to my job and take that energy with me to, to tackle you know the one problems. thing that we had do that we don't realize we do, we influence regulators. By this conference, you influence regulators. You know, we have representatives from OSHA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I NIOSH. have, I'm, I'm sorry, NIOSH, exactly. Mm-hmm. I have connections in Europe where they take this information back to their regulators and say, listen, this is what we need to be doing. This is what industry is saying. So if you come up with these regulations, you make sure that you need to involve these people. So it's it's really impactful how this conference touches the regulators, the students, the professionals, the consultants, the the um, the new areas, in the vendors, everything. I and mean, technology. It's really it's an amazing conference. Now, um, really early in the planning process for 2020, but is there any kind of a nugget that y'all are changing or adding that you want to let the audience know about right now? Or is it something we should revisit in a few months? Well, 
Ergonomics is everywhere. Ergonomics is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) We're going towards hopefully a more of a global um, ergonomics, not just global. We know there's ergonomic global programs out there, but we want to have everybody understand that ergonomics is everywhere, not just in the automotive field, not just in Italy or all over the world. It's in your home. It's in the construction industry. It's in the hospitals. hospitals. It's in the schools. Anywhere you go, there's ergonomics. And even the kids, you know, developing all these issues. So ergonomics is everywhere is one of our taglines, but it's very early in the process of finalizing what we really want to say. Definitely. Applied Ergonomics Conference 2020 is coming to you from Louisville, Kentucky, home of Thoroughbred Racing. Attend the conference, turn your ergonomics program into a thoroughbred, and you will meet Julia Bate and Monica Matlas. Thank you, ladies. Thank Thank you for having us. This has been an episode of Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. If you like what you've heard, then please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you're an IISE member, you can participate in discussions about this and other episodes at connect.iise.org. If you're not a member yet, then you can learn all about the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers at our website, iise.org. Thanks for listening to our show. 